Good morning, everybody. Um, for those of you that do not know, today is somebody's birthday that is very special to the church. So, today is Phil Sousa's birthday, everybody. And for those of you that do not know, Phil Sousa is currently on an airplane. So, going to Florida. So, what I want you to do is if you have your phones, I'm going to give you Phil Sousa's number, and we're all going to text him happy birthday and blow up his phone for when he lands. So, if you're comfortable doing this, I'm going to give you Phil Sousa's number right now. And, no. But, I mean, he's not, it's me. He's not going to get mad. Um, okay. It's on Facebook. Hello, Facebook world. Um, Okay, I guess not. But if you want <laughs> Phil Sousa's number. Yes, that's the other thing. Um, so, yay or nay on Phil Sousa's phone number? Are we live right now, Dave? They can come up and ask you for it. Okay, 417-343-0787. So, 417 343-0787. And just tell Phil Sousa, happy birthday. And you appreciate him. And, yeah. But also, a big shout-out to the St. Louis Cardinals last night. The Cubs couldn't have done it without him. The Cubs are now division champs, <laughs> thanks to Josh Hader and the Cardinals. So, thank you, St. Louis Cardinals. We're, we're glad you're here. Hey, welcome to Cross Point. Will you guys stand and worship with us?
his confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God The still inside the storm The promise of the shore I trust the power of your word Enough to seek your kingdom first Beyond the barren place Beyond the ocean waves When I So I will not lose heart, here I will lift my arms, and start to sing into the night, my praise will cause sun to rise, declare the battle Sorry for the long transition. I was coming from the back there. Uh, Get it together, Jake. Yeah, thank you. Uh, by the way, guys, 
something I noticed that doesn't happen when Phil's not here is sometimes he'll be like, three, two, one, and like do that. I have no musical talent whatsoever, but when he's gone, if you need somebody to do that countdown, I can do it. That I can do. So just let me know. Uh, three, two, one. And then, do I, okay, and then you guys will play. See? Thank you. Uh, okay, <laughs> crosspoint. Uh, dot church track no dot com. Use that QR code. That is uh, where you will find all of our links to YouTube and Facebook and uh, other relevant information. It's kind of our uh, central internet hub if you're looking for cross point info. Uh, just a couple of announcements today. Uh, Caitlin, where are you at? Help remind me, Caitlin, uh, to put there on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. 5.30 a.m., yes, I know it's early. The, these doors will be open if you are of the male variety to come in and pray. Uh, Chase and I uh, are doing it. We are praying for the gathering, which is 6.30 Wednesday nights. That's You don't have to be uh, just male to come to the gathering. So uh, 6.30 on Wednesday nights is the gathering, but we pray for that. We pray for this church. Uh, we pray for the people of this church. We pray for this city. So usually from 5.30 to 6 a.m., uh, if you are a male and would like to come join us, great. If you come once and never come again, that's totally fine. It is like an open, just an open prayer time from 5.30 a.m. to uh, 6 a.m. So see me and Chase if you need more info about that. Secondly, business meeting is today. So if you are a member of Crosspoint or you are one of these, you know, really vested people, uh, stay after church. We are going to be voting on several things. We'll be voting on David Thomas uh, for eldership. We will be voting on Clay Miller for uh, the youth pastor position. And we'll, we will be voting on uh, staff pay adjustments. So stick around after church. Otherwise, happy birthday, Phil. And it is break time. And the kiddos go to the kids area in three, two, one. Well, good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning, whether you've joined us in-house or online. Hello. Uh, you know, last week, I got a little animated with you guys. I told you multiple times I wasn't mad because I'm sure uh, my resting angry face, I'll call it that because that's the appropriate uh, way to say it, especially in church, uh, can come out sometimes. And I try to smile every now and then just to break it and tell you your love. But I'm going to start today's sermon by telling you that and letting you know that we have poppy seed bread. Uh, to try to sugar you up. Uh, my wife made it, and she's quite skilled, and it's delicious. So if you want some, I'll even let you get up right now and go get it. You won't hurt my feelings. It is delicious. Now, we are in week three of our series, Beatitudes and Beyond, and uh, we're looking at Matthew 5, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Um, you know, our laws, our laws, our legal system, uh, the laws are open to interpretation, and we're taught in life that nothing is black and white. You know, thou shall not murder has turned into was it planned or was it passion? Was it intentional or was it an accident? The whole judicial branch exists to interpret the law based on the individual case brought before them. And if we can find wiggle room, we will take it, right? Like all of us would take it. If there's a little bit of wiggle room, we're, we're going to go for it, right? So that's just kind of how our nature works. Um, we can act in ways that while not unlawful, they are unholy. Okay, while they're not unlawful, they are unholy. And as Christians, I think that we are called to obey the laws of the land, except in cases where they go against God's law. But we are called to a higher law as well. 
one that is black and white, one that's foundation is rooted in God's divine righteousness. And under God's law, our focus is holiness and not lawfulness. And that's something I think we all need to understand. Under God's law, our focus is holiness, not lawfulness. It's not just about checking boxes. It's not just about not breaking the Ten Commandments. It's about the holiness inside of us that should lead us to the desire to stay within God's law. So the focus is holiness. It's not lawfulness. And the first thing we need to understand is this. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. But I'm going to read Matthew 5, 17 through 20 for us, and then we'll break that down. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. As I said, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And in verse 17, his statement there is one of monumental proportions. You see, Christ begins with the statement that he came to fulfill the law rather than to abolish it or change it. Now, this does three major things. The first two are for the people in the day and age that he was speaking to. The first thing that Jesus is telling the people that are there listening to him is, I'm not here to pull the rug out from under your feet, right? I'm not here to wipe away the foundation on which you've built your lives. The law with me does not disappear. It's only strengthened. I've come to fulfill it. I haven't come to wipe it out to an entire other group that was hoping that Jesus would come and just change everything, that he would be this revolutionary presence that, that would just completely renew the way that God did things. Jesus was there to say, while I have come to bring a revolution, it's not going to be the one that you guys quite expect. And that foundational law that we built our lives on that law still stands today. I'm not wiping it out. Again, I've come to fulfill it. I've come to strengthen it. For us, it means that the Bible in its entirety is the foundation for the way that we live our life. The Bible in its entirety. It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's not just the New Testament since Jesus came. It's the whole of the Old Testament and the whole of Scripture. I make this point because I think that too many people treat Jesus like a genie who's just here to grant our wishes. And that no way ever would Jesus speak against something that we ourselves want to be true. Well, I feel this way, and Jesus loves me, and the Bible tells me that, and I've been singing this song since I was a little kid, and so Jesus would surely agree with me on this because it's just so important to me. Here's the thing. I want to be very clear about this. I want everybody to understand. Jesus did not come here to be your homeboy. Dumbest t-shirt in history, by the way. Jesus did not come here. If you own it, I'm sorry. I had one at one point too, okay? I'm just saying things evolve. I love you. Jesus did not come here to be your homeboy. He came here to be your salvation. Jesus did not come here to be your homeboy. He came here to be your salvation. He came here to renew your soul, not to make you happy, not to pat you on the back and tell you that everything you do is always good. And while obeying the word of God isn't what saves us, only the blood of Jesus does that, I'll tell you one thing, it certainly is not damning us to hell. It is not doing that. 
Now, Christ is the embodiment of the law. He came to fulfill the law, to live out the law, so that we can have an example of, of, of how we're to live our lives and how we're to live out the law as well. His example is our greatest hope, a life not based on following rules, but on following God. A life not based on following rules. He doesn't want us to walk around a bunch of Bible-thumping, legalistic jerks, but a Bible that says with the love that Jesus has shown me and the love that I have in my heart because of what Jesus has done, I will follow and I will obey God. The law has never wavered. The law has never wavered. Thank you for the amen, train. Verses 18 and 19, for I truly tell you, I'm going to read them again, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is where we're going to get in this section. I'm going to upset some of y'all, and uh, you can forgive me or not, but... Uh, I believe that uh, God has called me to say some of these things. So I promise I love you. I'm happy. I'm smiling. Now, I think that the church has done the world a huge disservice. A huge disservice by letting people believe that Jesus came and changed everything. That, that somehow where we need to start teaching, where we need to start living our lives is from Jesus on. Like the Old Testament didn't matter, didn't exist, and that we don't need to view it. And that is wrong. Now, I want to be clear. I know that Jesus' life is eternity changing. Jesus' life was eternity changing. It's only through his blood that you can be saved. I'm very clear on that. I'm not wavering from that. But there's a whole chunk of scriptures that when Jesus walked around on the earth was the scriptures that he used. Realize that the New Testament wasn't the New Testament until Jesus was dead. It was the Torah. It was the prophets and, and, and everything that comprised the Old Testament that Jesus used. It was his scriptures. Stop it, Siri. Trying to interrupt us. Technology. They're getting us. It's the bots. I'm kidding. I don't mean that either. Okay? His, his, I, ADHD. His death changed eternity. It changed eternity. But in his own words, he makes it clear that he came not to erase the old, but to perfect it. The Old Testament is neglected in a lot of churches. A lot of churches. I try to at least every other series or every two series preach out of the Old Testament because I think that we have to hear from it. I think that it's there to teach us and that it's profitable and that we need to be deep diving into that part of Scripture as well as the rest of Scripture, but we can't neglect any of it. I've been to churches where I have not heard a single sermon in multiple years' times from the Old Testament. I've had people tell me here, I didn't. No, people still preach from the Old Testament. Yeah, we do. It's the Bible. It's there. <laughs> you know? That's sad. That's shocking. That shouldn't be the case. And the fact of the matter is it's neglected in a lot of our lives, but its importance can't be overstated. Every ounce of Scripture has worth. Every ounce of Scripture has worth. So we can't change it to work for us. Now, the things that change from the Old Testament to now, are things that are explicitly stated in the New Testament. 
Okay, I want to be very clear about that. So things like the food laws where it was, hey, we're not supposed to eat stuff with a cloven hoof. Remember when Peter had his vision and the sheet falls down from heaven and God starts filling it with all these different animals that they're not supposed to eat until that point. And Peter says, don't call something unclean that I have now called clean, right? If something changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God and Christ made that clear. If it's not explicitly stated, guess what? It hasn't changed. And we don't get to change it to make ourselves feel better. We don't get to change it because we have a family member that's living outside of what Scripture says, and somehow that makes us feel better. We don't get to change it because it speaks out against us, and we don't like it. So here's some truths that I feel like a lot of times church hide from, and that today we are moving towards acceptance of everything and everyone and every way of thought. He, he, just hear me out. Homosexuality is a sin. Okay? I'm not picking this as my hill to die on but it's a statement that biblically is accurate. And it doesn't matter how we feel. I want to be very clear. I love gay people. I love people who struggle with homosexuality. I have friends that are gay. People that I love that are gay. But that doesn't mean because that's the case that somehow I get to ignore those parts of scripture and say, well, those are really figures of speech or it was other things that God was mad about when it came to Sodom and Gomorrah. No, Scripture explicitly states that it's wrong. It makes it very clear that it's wrong. Gluttony, because I don't want people to think that I'm just picking and choosing my issues. Gluttony is one of the biggest sins the world deals with, especially here in the United States of America. And we act as if it doesn't exist. People all over are living in excess. It's not just about what you put in your bodies. It's about how you live your life. There are so many people living outside of their means. That is gluttony. That is sin. Here's a news flash for you. If you don't have eyes, I'm fat. That's a sin. It's an honest statement. If you haven't noticed yet, thank you, but I'll let you know, I usually fall somewhere between the obese to morbidly obese category and have for the majority of my life. It's a sin. That doesn't make me feel good, but it doesn't mean that I get to ignore it. That doesn't mean that I can keep living life the way I've lived life because, well, I really like donuts, right? Carbs are my best friend. I'm just carb loading for the workout I'll do in 50 years. No, right? Like, sin is sin, and we have to address sin head on when sin is part of our lives. Lying, slander, gossip, being lazy, all sins. None of them get to be ignored. You see, we do this thing as, as the church that, that we just like to ignore sins because they're the bad, th there's other bad sins out there and we don't do those bad sins. And so my sins aren't bad sins and so it's not as bad as that guy over there or that lady over there and so we'll just push mine under the rug. No, you moron. You haven't told the truth since 1973, but at least you aren't gay or have had an abortion. Yeah, that's one of those that smacks us in the face a little bit. Smacked me in the face, too, when it came out on the piece of paper when I was typing before I even knew what happened. But sometimes in church circles, that's how we view sin. That's how we view sin. We pick and we choose our hills that we want to die on, these things that are just so bad and so wrong, and we ignore everything else because we aren't living that way or doing that thing. But all sin has the same reward, death. All sin has the same reward, death. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
but 24, and all are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Regardless of the sin you commit, that forgiveness, that justification is there for you. I'm not saying that you get to continue to live in your sin and experience this blessing, but there's nothing that separates your sin from someone else's sin. You're a sinner. I am a sinner. And as I already stated, an obese one. Sin may be different, but as I said, the outcome is the same. The comparison game that we like to play isn't holy. It isn't holy. It's prideful and it's selfish. And it's self-serving. We do that to make ourselves feel better, not to further the kingdom, not to increase our relationship with God, but so that we can look ourselves in the mirror and say, well, at least I'm not doing that. That little voice inside your head right now that's telling you otherwise needs to be shut up. Here's the thing. As long as we roam this earth, And we as Christians act like we are not as broken and sinful as the rest of the world. We are doing Christ a disservice. The only thing that separates us, the Christians, from those, the non-Christians, is Christ. That's it. Nothing else. You sin and it stinks. But you have Jesus. And our job is to let the rest of the world know that they have sin and it stinks, but there is Jesus. And to point them towards that Jesus who has forgiven our sins. But it's all about the way that we approach it. We can't walk around like a bunch of perfect individuals because we're not. We need to recognize that sin and recognize the gift of grace that God has given us. And that is what we preach to the masses. Not come live like I do, not come think the way that I do, not look how awesome I am. But this is my God, and he is great, and he is loving, and he is forgiving. Part of the reason that these issues have risen in the church is because we have abandoned Scripture. We have abandoned Scripture Why read the Bible when you can come to church on Sunday mornings and I'll use some verses and I'll preach over them and I'll dissect them and we'll dive in. Why do you need to do that if I'll do it for you? You can come, you can sing some songs, you can throw up a weekly prayer, pat yourself on the back and never have to put forth any actual effort to have a relationship with God. It's the word of God that reveals to us who God is. It's the word of God. It's Christ's revelation. It's God's revelation. It's the spirit letting us know who God is. So many of us teach things incorrectly and allow ourselves to listen to others tell us what the Bible says without actually diving into the Bible ourselves and checking it to make sure that it's true. We can't wait to throw a fact check out there that's popped up on Facebook, but we can't actually do it ourselves in our own lives when someone's telling us that Scripture is saying something that it's not. And as the old saying goes, if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. It's our job. It's our responsibility. We need to be self-reliant in this matter. People can go out and teach anything. I can hold a Bible up on the corner of the square downtown and say whatever I want and say it's in there. And people won't know.
We have to be there to correct that. We have to be there to fix that. We have to be there to stand strong in our convictions and in our beliefs in what the Word of God says. And what the Word of God says. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. When it comes to reading Scripture, as a pastor, I'm telling you, I suck at it too. I suck at it too. I firmly believe that's, what, that's one of the reasons God called me to preach because if he hadn't, I might never open a Bible. That's why I started the, the, the year-long Bible reading plan a, a couple, maybe a month ago. Here's another truth bomb. I've fallen about six days behind because I suck at it too. I'm not perfect. But we have to push one another to be better. That's what church is about, guys. At least part of what church is about. That's why God calls us to, to come together as community so that we can push each other towards holiness. So that we can strengthen one another's walk with Christ. And that we can hold one another accountable. Let's get better and let's push each other to be better. Finally, as Christians, we need to understand that we have to practice what we preach. We have to practice what we preach. Matthew 5, 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. See, anyone who sets aside any part of Scripture in order to please or appease another individual is doing a disservice to their fellow creation. Anytime we are willing to set aside a part of Scripture to please or appease another human being, we are doing a disservice to our fellow creation. We are teaching them the opposite of what God wants us to, and we are doing the opposite for them of what God wants us to do. It's not loving to allow sin to run rampant in the lives of others. It's also not loving to be a jerk in the way that you deliver that message that you've noticed sin in their lives and that changes need to be made. So let's make sure that, you know, we're not bullhorning our way into people's lives and, oh, sin, saw that. And put it on Facebook, let the world know. You should stop it, right? No, you're what we like to call a moron. Don't do that. Don't do, I've used that word a lot today. I don't really use that word. No, that's not true. I use that word a lot. I really like that word. It has a nice ring to it. We need to, to, to call out sin when we see sin, but we need to do so in a way that delivers the love of Christ, not a way that's prideful, not a way that sounds like we're boasting, not a way that makes us look like we're some sort of perfect example. You see, when I approach people about sin, you know the first thing that I do? I do it in my sermons too. I mention my sin as well. I make sure people know that I'm not a perfect individual. And I'm not approaching them as some perfect person who has everything figured out. I'm approaching them as a person who loves them and wants what's best for them and knows how sin can affect their life personally for the worse. At the end of the day, I just want them to get better. It's not loving to allow sin to run rampant in the lives of others. It's not godly to do so. Well, that's not the God I serve. How many of you guys have heard that before? Well, that's not the God I serve. That's just another statement for saying, I don't know who God is. I don't know who God is. That's not the God I serve. 
Well, you might as well say, I don't know who God is. And if you're somebody who has used that statement to try to bring forth biblical truths, let's change it. Not, that's not the God I serve. Let's change it to this is what the Bible says. Well, listen, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says in his scripture that he said is my revelation to you. Let's change the way that we're approaching people. We have to know the Bible in order to be able to do this, though. Do we, we all understand that? We have to know the Bible in order to be able to approach people and say, well, this is what the Bible says. It's going to require more than just a Google sh- search. God, give me a scripture about people lying. Well, you know here, and like, I found 24 options. I can tell you, sit down, right? Like, we need God's revelation that has revealed itself to us in our lives to come out into the lives of others. And we have to understand, and we must understand, because the world tells us something different, that we can disagree with somebody and still love them. We have to understand that we can speak out against somebody's actions and still love them. See, the world has changed that message to it's loving to just let me live my life and you live your life and let bygones be bygones. No, not okay. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've hit those verses so many times this year. God has just laid these two things on my heart like nothing else. That when it comes down to it, this is, is got to be our mission statement, not only as a church, but for us as individuals is how we live, how we live our lives that we have to love God above all else and that we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. But I haven't added this verse until now. And this is the one that we really need to hear and that we need to, to understand and meditate on. Verse 40. And I don't know if I told them to write this out, but this is what verse 40 says. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, I could have just said that, so you better open up a Bible app and check, because I didn't tell him to put it on the screen, and so it may not be there. So I'm just saying, double-check me. But verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments, these two things, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those two things fulfill the entirety of the law. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. It's all right there. We love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength by focusing on holiness, by chasing holiness. We love others as we should love ourselves by pushing them towards holiness. Because the end goal is to stand before God and for him to find us holy, for him to find us righteous, for him to find us justified, for him to say, son or daughter, I love you, welcome home. That's the end goal. And so understand it is loving to hold people accountable. It is the service of God to hold people accountable. And that includes ourselves. We have to be very real and very open 
with ourselves. The law, I'll say this again, the law is about chasing holiness, not lawfulness. Following the law of God is about holiness. It's not about lawfulness. We should not only desire God's holiness for ourselves, but for others as well. So be open for reprimanding others. But even more so, and I think this is it, and even more so, be open to being reprimanded yourselves. We have to be open to being reprimanded ourselves. I'm going to go back. It's very important how we do this. Okay, it's important how we do this. If you're dealing with a non-believer, put some thought into it and get it right. And approach them from a place of love. From a place of love. Now, you should have that same approach to a fellow believer, but, but here's the challenge on the flip side of being that fellow believer when someone comes and shines light on your sin and maybe doesn't do it in the best way. Give them grace. Give them grace. And have the courage. Have the courage to look at what they're saying and think about what they're saying and look at yourself in the mirror to see if what they're saying is actually right. You know, so often we're approached about sin and somebody didn't do it in the right way and they were a jerk. And so we just discount what they have to say. But even though they did it wrong, there may be truth in their words. And we owe it to ourselves to chase holiness and to see if their words have any merit. And so if light is shown on your sin, address it. If light is shown on your sin, address it. And if the Spirit is leading you to address the sin of someone else as uncomfortable as it is going to be for you, because it will be uncomfortable, I understand that nobody enjoys it. Have the courage to step out in faith and do that. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. Lord, I hope that people see that this message is one built from a foundational place of love, that it's not about tearing others down. It's not about making them feel bad about the way they've maybe lived their lives or the decisions they've made in the past or the mistakes they've made. That's not at all what it's about. It's about us understanding that the most important thing for us to do is to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And God, we do that. We do that by obeying your righteous, perfect, black, and white law. God, if we have questions about any of this, we can find it there in the scriptures. Because your law isn't just defined by Ten Commandments. You teach us all throughout the Bible about what it means to be holy and what it means to be righteous. God, help us to follow the example of Christ who came and walked this earth and live life not for himself, but for you and in the service of others. Because that's how we must live our lives. For you, God, for you, 100% all in, jumping into the deep end, just ready to live life for you and in the service of others. Help us to have courage to love people when it's tough, when it's hard, when it requires an uneasy conversation. 
God, at the end of the day, let the desire of our hearts to just be like you. To be like you. A God who, yes, loves the world and loves the world so much that you sent your son to die for us on the cross. But in the same vein, is not afraid to hold people accountable for their actions and for the way that they live their life and the way that they treat other people. We just want to be like you, God, as we chase holiness rather than lawfulness. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to stand down here next to my wife, Jerrica, and I'm going to worship. But if you need to come pray with me, please do so. Please do so. I want to pray with you. I love you. Whether I've known you for years or we just met, I love you. I feel like that's what God has called me to do. Again, like last week, if you need the altar, it's here. Come kneel at our stage and just pour your heart out to God. You want to talk to me about salvation, about what it means to chase a life of holiness. Don't you dare leave today without having that conversation because it is literally the most important decision you will ever make. I believe that with all of my being. Otherwise, stand and let's just worship God.
You all may have a seat. Uh, this is the time that we normally take our offering. As most of you know, since the whole coronavirus thing has started, we haven't been walking around passing the baskets. But back there under the light, if you'd like to give in person, there's a little uh, treasure-looking box. I don't know how to say it has a slit in it. You can uh, put your, your giving in there. Otherwise, uh, the Tidely app is what my family uses. You can text GIVE to that phone number, and it'll set you up with how to do that pretty easily. Um, Let's just pray over the offering. God, we come to you right now, and and we just want to lift this up to you, Lord, that you would, as a church, give us the wisdom of how to best use the funds that have been um, just given to us, God, by willing and and grateful hearts. And, Lord, we could never uh, let them know how much we appreciate that because we need those funds in order to function. And, and God, I just... uh, pray that you'd give us wisdom and bless those that give here this morning, God, and um, just also to follow up with that last song, what a beautiful just representation of, of what our heart desires should be, to know your heart and to, to be pulled closer to you and, and to get closer to you, and so, uh, God, I would just pray that you help us do that as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
worship you and if it puts me in the fire i'll rejoice because you're there too i won't be for my feelings i'll hold fast to what is true and if the cross brings transformation i'll be crucified with you because death is just a doorway into resurrection life and if i join you in your sufferings then i'll join you in out you guys are dismissed for the day i i just want to say thank you for being here and being a part of church remember we do have a business meeting so if you're a member stay after we'll try to get you in and out as quick as we possibly can chase holiness this week remember chase holiness this week we do so by loving god and loving people have a great week